Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured the reverse fixture of the North London Derby at Tottenham Hotspur. Hello, Keith. North London is red. It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a great day. Yeah, it was, it was a good showing from Arsenal. More so in the first half than the second half, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but I mean, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but uh, there, this, and, I, and I've sort of read this and heard this from some of the commentary around, this one feels different. Um, as opposed to, I mean, as compared to other wins we've had this year, uh, something about this feels yeah. a little bit different in a, in a very positive way. So it's, uh, it was a okay. very good weekend. Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's hold off on that for a little bit. We'll get to some follow-up and some news. As far as follow-up, we covered the Oxford United match last week, which was my first time using ESPN Plus for anything. And what was so a, a couple of notes about that. So first of all, as far as placing it on the spectrum of quality between Peacock and Paramount Plus and then uh, Sling TV that I was using to stream the World Cup, um, it was interesting. I'd say their app overall is good. The interface mechanics of how the app works, uh, I don't have any real complaints about. One really nice, interesting thing that their app does is for whatever events are going on right at the moment, they have a row at the top of live events that actually shows live thumbnail size video of the event in progress, which managed to pull me down a cricket rabbit hole a cricket hole <laughs> <laughs> but i've never watched cricket before and yet late one night last week when i was or i guess a couple of weeks ago now when i was getting ready to watch the upcoming at that time oxford match i was just in the app and i was like oh cricket i've never watched that so i was watching women's cricket for like i don't know 30 to 45 minutes <laughs> trying to make sense of what i was seeing and utterly I, failing uh, uh, let, let me let me just lead by saying that if if you would like to start the the cricket you pod Podcast, you're going to need to find someone else because I, I, <laughs> I have I have the vaguest conception of how cricket works. I actually had a similar experience when I was in, when I was in London. I I was like, all right, you know, let's let's see if I can figure out cricket. And I I flipped on and you know Sky Sports sort of you know is doing their you know Sports Center style. Here's up scores and highlights from around the sports around around England. And the first thing it said was you know the score was 427 to 126-2 and I'm like those aren't even the same number <laughs> and so that's that was the end of my interest in learning about cricket I'm sure someday perhaps maybe but it's yeah that was my introduction to the sport yeah. my my key takeaway is it's it's very strange baseball that's 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 how there, I think there is there the is moment. something there is something to that it, it is a fascinating sport that quite literally will last for days Oh wow! I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, it depends. There's also a one a one day version of the sport, which is a, a matter of great fascination to me. But it, it baseball is give is sometimes considered a leisurely sport and has absolutely nothing on cricket. That's my lesson. <laughs> wow! Yeah. <laughs> so the the other part of my assessment of ESPN Plus is that the video quality is very much on par with what I saw from Paramount Plus. And from Sling TV, the interesting thing there came into play about, what was it, 18 or so minutes into <laughs> this mm. Tottenham match that we're going to be talking about later. I'll have more thoughts about the video quality uh, when we get there. I'll, I'll bring it up at that time. Um, next piece of follow-up. We referred to uh, the campaign against youth violence, uh, particularly knife violence, that got Arsenal wearing their all-white jerseys with no red last week. Uh, that campaign is called No More Red, Not Get the Red Out. Of course, red, as I brought up, is like in Shaun of the Dead, you've got red on you. Uh, I linked in the show notes last time, and I'll do it again this time. The the Shaun of the Dead, it's a little super clip of all the times where you've got red on you is said in the movie Shaun of the Dead. The video quality is atrocious. I couldn't, couldn't find a better montage. But yeah, so it's no more red. Uh, last week and this week, I put links to that campaign in the show notes. So if it's something you're interested in learning more about or contributing to, it's it's there. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but we did, we've been talking about, it. I brought it up with you and then asked Mike about it. And then we kind of circled the wagons a little bit again last week, didn't really bring it up. Don't have any new info, but we were talking about whether the 
Peacock feed for Arsenal matches for for all Premier League matches is provided in a centralized manner, the same way that FIFA provided the World Cup stream. Uh, we have some new info. Should we hold that till our discussion of the match, or do you want to cover that as follow up? I'll I think I think we should leave with it as follow up because it's it's a, I mean it's it it was a U.S. only problem, as I understand. It is it was an NBC problem. Oh, interesting. But, yeah. So you tell me what you know, and I'll fill in what I can. Yeah. So it was I think it was around eighteen minutes in when all of a sudden the the video feed paused now for watching this tottenham match i was watching it live uh this is only the second time i've tried doing so watching it live uh with my father on the phone also watching it live in a different state he lives in texas like keith does um so we were both watching it at the same time and it froze for both of us. So we immediately knew it was neither of our internet connections. And I forget which one of us noticed it first. It may have been my dad, but one of us noticed that the clock was still ticking on the feed, the game clock. So whatever was happening, it wasn't anyone's internet connection. It wasn't even probably Peacock because that time clock, the, the game clock is in Peacock's overlay on, on whatever feed's going on. And it stayed like that for one or two minutes or something before... NBC, Peacock, they brought on their team of three uh, commentators who usually do the halftime show and I'm sure the pregame show, which I don't usually see for that. Um, and they were just bringing everybody up to speed. And what they said at that time, and maybe maybe we've gotten more info since then, but what they had said was that this is a worldwide issue, that nobody is able to see the match at this point in time. And so they were assuring everybody that they're going to commentate, talk about what, what has gone on so far. If there were any goals, that they would announce that. So at least you, know, you, you wouldn't be completely in the dark. But then... Gameplay ended up resuming. The video feed resumed about maybe five, five and a half minutes later or so, as I recall. And when the feed came back, it was different. There were two things that I noticed. For one thing, the video quality was lower, leading me to believe that what I have been seeing this whole time is I think Peacock might possibly be streaming it in 4K. That's it's at, it's at the very it looks like a resolution difference, whether it's 4K versus HD or whether it's like 1080p versus 720p or 1080i versus 720p, something some resolution difference. And if those numbers don't, don't mean anything to any of our less technically inclined uh, members, please uh, talk to me on Twitter. I can send you some some links if you want to find out more about video resolution. But it looked like that level of change. The other thing that I noticed was the on-screen graphics, rather than having Peacock's logo, had the Premier League logo. So this looked like a Premier League feed that was on. I didn't notice how long it was on for, but at some point, seamlessly, I should add, the Peacock stream appeared to take back over the video quality, ticked up a little bit again, and the on-screen graphics changed to being NBC branded again. And that seemed to resolve it for for the rest of the match but um as it pertains to the espn plus discussion yeah when when they were showing what i would call the premier league feed that was about the same quality as what i see on paramount plus and espn plus where it's fine it's just not quite as good as what i typically would see on peacock so so please uh what else, what do you know what can you correct or add to that so, so the only thing I can add uh, a couple of pieces there. So, as I understand it, it was in the U.S. that lost this. So there was a some issue with with Peacock or NBC directly because uh, apparently around in, in England and other parts of the world things were fine. Uh, what we got was the Premier League's uh, feed with the, their commentators and their graphics, uh, which I have seen before on Peacock. I I I think. NBC doesn't have the commentary yeah, too, teams yeah. to cover. NBC doesn't have the commentary teams to do all ten games, and so some of the games, especially on Peacock, well, we can debate about how what winds up on Peacock. But there are some games. I'm sure if you get something like Aston Villa and Wolves, you're probably going to get the Premier League feed, which is going to be the Premier mm -hmm. League commentators, uh, as opposed to, with Premier League graphics. Uh, so. I, I get the impression I understand is there's a, there is a single feed, but they I guess they had some issue with it, and so we briefly got right. the, the Premier League's broadcasters. I, you know, again, because I watch in a in a public setting in a bar, 
we couldn't really hear the commentary. Obviously, we saw what was going on. You couldn't really hear what they were saying. Uh, there were there right. were a handful of people who who we we knew it was a peacock problem. We saw the graphics moving, the clock ticking. Well, so there were a handful of people who used their phones to uh, find some some streams of questionable legality <laughs> uh, from, from other <laughs> okay. sources, which are which presumably are being broadcast by you know in other countries. They're pirated streams from right. other countries, and again, we couldn't hear them. But who cares? All we needed was the video. Um. So, yeah, it sounds like this was an NBC problem that, you know, they were able to resolve, but obviously is, is given the, given the nature of what was happening and the, and the match itself was, was obviously very, very somewhat frightening or certainly very, uh, shocking, but, uh, but we all survived. Yeah. And and most importantly, we didn't miss any goals. Yes, that, that is correct. Thankfully, but yeah, it just felt so weird to be watching live and disconnected from it. It it was, it was really disconcerting. (laughs) I'd say that's the sort of thing that'll happen that'll happen now again and it's it's live television you just never know. Right. And yeah, as far as hearing the commentators, yeah, when they cut away to just the three of them talking, I, my dad and I were both listening, but then once the game came back, I, if it was separate commentators providing commentary while the play was the gameplay was going on, that I didn't notice cuz I was talking to him, we were talking to each other the whole time. We were on a phone call while we were watching. So, so yeah, I had the volume pretty low. The, <laughs> let me let me give a tip too by the way to anyone who's in a similar situation trying to watch with friends. Um <laughs> I his audio was loud enough for me to hear it a little bit and I had mine down. I don't know how much he was hearing it on his end, but I was able to judge based on hearing a, a phrase here and there from his feet and mine who was ahead or behind and early on this is a problem like when when the first goal was scored or when there were near misses or whatever it was he would react before i would or vice versa and, and that changed once we had the video feed problems and he'd tried getting out and getting back in he tried some other things and it shifted in the other direction but just remember whoever is behind if you're able to tell that if it's enough of a gap that you can tell that have the person pause it and resume it for like you know a fraction of a second a little bit at a time until you're back in sync and that's how i got it was that i was just hearing like the the commentators i was hearing over the phone and it just sounded like a slight echo where it was a nearly imperceptible difference. We were reacting to things at the same time. So we weren't giving each other micro spoilers the whole time. (laughs) So that's a technique I came up with. So uh, meanwhile, uh, covering the news before we get back to the contents of the actual match, uh, they announced in an on-screen graphic after the first goal of the match in, in some appropriate timing, Hugo Lloris has retired apparently from international competition. I just wanted to find out from you exactly what that means, whether it's, does that mean World Cup only, or is that UEFA competition? I'm, I'm not sure if Tottenham this year is in the Champions League or Europa League. I'm not sure where they're competing, but what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so so they are still they are in the Champions League. I'm pretty sure they made the knockout stages. I'd have to check, but also I don't care about them. Uh, so no, what he means what he means <laughs> is playing. He means playing for France. So uh, that's World Cup, okay. but also the Euros are going to be uh, summer of 24, and then of course the next World Cup in 26. Um, he, what he's sort of said, what he's what he's at that point is he's telling the French national team, "Don't pick me anymore." Um, now mm-hmm. it could very well be. I mean, you'll see a lot of this once. Uh, once the world cup is over, they, they run in what we call the a world cup cycle. So you'll have, you know, four years is all geared towards the world cup as the big tournament. And, and, you know, with, with the world cup being over, and I'm sure a country like France, which is very deep in terms of talent, you know, could very well have pulled him in after, you know, after the world cup and said, look, you've been great, but you know, you're getting older, you're slowing down. You might have a few years left at the club, but you're not going to be our guy in 2026. And we'd really like to, um, we'd like to move in some of the younger guys, get them some playing time, make sure they get some caps, uh, so that we feel comfortable with them by the time we get to the Euros and then the World Cup. And so, and at that point, you may have that conversation privately, and Lloris can say publicly, like it's his his choice. I'm retiring from international mm-hmm. play, or it could very well be he is just. He's just done. He he's sort of decided that I've played enough for France. It's you know it's time for someone else to do it. I've had my opportunities. I'm probably not going to be there in 26. So this is a good time to just take a step away internationally. 
Mm-hmm. Gives someone else a few years to start uh, shaping up. Yeah, right. And he and he may well be looking at the writing on the. They may not have to say anything. He could just look and say, "Look, I know, you know, I I may not be the guy in 2026, and if that's the case, I'm not going to get a lot of playing time." And I, you know, I've he won a World Cup four years ago. He he was in the final. This mm-hmm. one, he's he's done a lot as as France's keeper. So I mean, he, he certainly he's in a comfortable position where he he doesn't feel like he has to squeeze another run out of it. Um. Or, you know, maybe right. see if he can force his way onto a team that might be looking in another direction. So that's, that. yeah, that does not mean UEFA competition. That does not mean um, Champions League or other competition. He is uh, okay. retiring. Yeah, he is retiring only from the French national team. That's what that means. Yeah, that makes sense. So any transfer window news for January? Uh, yes. So we talked last time about Mikhailo Mudrik and how Arsenal was very interested in him. He was very interested in Arsenal and things were close to a deal. And now suddenly they are not. Uh, Mudrik was, mm-hmm. apparently this happened uh, just over the weekend. I guess they said on Saturday, and maybe even been Saturday morning, he signed a deal with Chelsea. And on mm-hmm. Sunday was actually at Stamford Bridge and was introduced uh, to the Chelsea faithful as their newest player. He was, he did not play. Uh, he was simply in, mm-hmm. in attendance, but uh, he has been signed by Chelsea. Um, they uh, so so basically the way a lot of transfers generally work is the club that has the player has a, an asking price. If you give us X amount of money, we'll sell the player. And there's negotiation. Usually, they, they start, the asking club starts very high. The buying club starts very low, and they eventually work their sure. way in one direction or another uh, with all kinds of factors playing into that. Uh, and Arsenal was clearly trying to negotiate them down. I believe it, their asking price apparently, uh, again, this is some of this. This is is rumored, but was talking about close to 100 million euros, which is a lot. And mm, yeah. Arsenal was negotiating, and apparently Chelsea showed up and said, "Here's 100 million euros," and they basically paid the transfer fee. They gave Mudrik a massive contract. Um, so yeah, I mean, they basically they bought it and bought him, and you know, there there's been some mixed feelings about this around Arsenal land. Uh, certainly, there are some people who are obviously very disappointed. Uh, certainly, it would be nice. He's a nice player to have. It would have been a good pickup for Arsenal, but at the same time, Arsenal have developed sort of a reputation over the years of being a uh, kind of soft in the transfer market, not accepting as much, not negotiating as hard as they could in either direction in terms of buying or selling in a sense, being forced to overpay for certain players. And so the fact mm. that they backed out on this one, they had a price internally, they weren't going to pass it. You know, Mudrik's a really nice player, but he's, you know, he's also, I think he said 22, so he's still very young. He fits with our, our long-term right. policy, but it's still, you know, it still leaves a lot of questions about about who could he really could be. And in terms of finances, I mean, Arsenal has a ton of money. We are not a poor club by any by any stretch, but Chelsea has a lot more money, and you know, they can afford to spend 100 million pounds on another or euros or pounds or whatever on a player who will help them. But also they, you know, doesn't necessarily solve some of perhaps solve some of their underlying problems. Right. Um, OK, so anything going on besides Mudrik that you're uh, that you're aware of? Uh, no, clearly Mudrik was their top target. Apparently, uh, we mentioned was it Joao Felix, uh, uh, the Portuguese right. player from Atletico Madrid. He was a guy they were interested in. Chelsea signed him as well. Um, okay. Wow. Uh, again, Chelsea has lots of money, uh, but right, they're eating I, their I, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> presumably, you know, presumably Arsenal has a plan B of some sort. I, I again, I don't think we're going to do like we did last year, where we don't sign anybody. That would be that seems like it would be ill-advised given where we are and what's in front of us. Uh, but they are playing it very close to the vest. I did see a rumor that there was an interest for the summer for a move for Declan Rice, who's a, a midfielder at West Ham, which would be an interesting pickup, but that would be a, that would be a move in the summer, which is typically when you see the biggest things. So, um, okay. be cur- yeah. So the short answer is they probably do. We have a couple more weeks. The window closes at the end of January. So we have a couple more weeks, but, uh, transfers are weird they can they can happen they can be dragged out over weeks or they can happen very quickly so we'll we'll see what they do right well something else that got me thinking about player salaries this week was the documentary super league the war for football has launched on apple tv plus this is a four-part docuseries 
I've, as we record, uh, I have watched three out of the four episodes. I found it very interesting and very much like watching. I, I don't know if I mentioned uh, to you on or offline of the show, but um, I did watch FIFA Uncovered, which I found mm. very illuminating as far as the workings of international <laughs> football. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that, so that was that was great. Uh, I'm glad I watched that. And that really taught me a lot about FIFA and the other the international federations and everything. I got a good sense of that, a much better sense of that. And now this documentary is really helping me understand the European soccer landscape outside of the Premier League. I have a decent sense of the Premier League now that we're, you know, past the halfway point in the season. I've seen most of the teams play already. I have I have some sense of what's going on, but you know they're they're we'll we'll devote more time to it later. But it's been interesting. There's talking about the lack of salary caps and the the sugar daddies, these these, you know, really rich teams that we've talked about, like uh Real Madrid and Manchester City and even Newcastle that just came up recently, you know, some of, some of those that's, uh, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm looking at things a little bit differently now, so we'll have to devote more time to that when we don't have such an exciting match to talk about. <laughs> I know we've so just, just one quick note. I'm going to send you a, uh, send you a link. It's a, so uh, the, the Ars blog and the Ars cast are sort of the, the godfather of Arsenal blogging and also probably podcasts. Uh, he did it back in December, did an interview with the, uh, the writer and the producer of the of FIFA Uncovered, which is a nice, uh, it's a nice, it, it's a nice supplement to it as well. Sort of his his impression about that. Oh, okay. So you may you may find that you may you may find that interesting, or anybody might find that interesting. For, I found it very interesting. But yeah, all right. Well, thanks. I'll include that in the show notes. Um, so let's get cracking on the Tottenham match. So. This was uh, Arsenal's 18th match. This happened on Sunday, January 15th of 2023. The glorious final score was Tottenham nil, Arsenal two. It was uh, it was a blast. It was uh, Arsenal in top form, as far as I could tell. It was uh, really something. We were we were good. We were very good. Uh, Tottenham looked. Tottenham did not look good. That was kind of the general sense no. of, of the people I was watching with. I mean, it would, you know, I, it, we're all 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 banter aside. Tottenham did not look particularly good. They they looked a little slow. They looked a little out of it. They've been dealing with some injuries. Uh, they have not been in mm. good form uh, since since coming back from the World Cup. But uh, we we looked like a team that was challenging for the title, and they did not. As is a right. pretty good way to to sort of to sort of say that. And even though they generated a handful of chances, you know, Aaron Ramsdale was get is getting a lot of credit for probably being the best uh, Arsenal's most important player in the game. Had to make some key saves. Uh, to a certain yeah. extent, I never I never really felt that this was we were in real danger in this one, which is a which mm-hmm. is a delightful feeling on a number of levels. Yeah, I would on that point, how I would characterize it, I I agree with you that I never felt that the win was in jeopardy. That first goal was pretty early on and it it never felt like Tottenham really came close. I I would also say simultaneously, though, I do think Ramsdale had a great performance and I think he had a lot of key saves. I don't know that a lot of them were necessarily difficult saves. There were saves that he, I guess you would almost expect him to make. There, there were a couple that, that he really pulled out of, out of thin air that were pretty good. Um, but I think most of them, yeah, it, was, it wasn't that Tottenham was really, they didn't have us on the ropes at any point. There, there was never any real threat. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so the, we saw this a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about this. We saw this a little bit in the first game. Tottenham are in, and this was, heard this on, on the RS cast. They called it they were a moments team. They're not, they're not going to dominate possession the way we do. They're, hmm. especially the way they set up tactically, they're generally going to sit back and try to beat you on the counter. And they have, you know, Harry Kane, Hinman Song are, are excellent players who, who can, who can make the most of those opportunities. Um, you know, and, and there were a couple key saves that really sort of snuffed out some of those chances early on. Uh, but yeah, they, for, for a club like that to fall behind early as they did, and as they've done quite a bit this season, you know, is, is, is a real, is a real problem for them because it forces you to come out of your, of your defensive shell a little bit. It opens you up 
And, you know, we saw that a little bit. Arsenal did a very good job pressing them and, and creating opportunities. And then, uh, to you know, frankly, our our best player in the first half was, was Hugo Lloris. He was... <laughs> he 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 made a he made a couple of good saves on Inketia in one or two places. Uh, had a disastrous giveaway that very well could have been a goal, and then I think is very much to blame for both of our goals. Well, so let me ask you about that first shot by Saka that ended up going in off of Loris. The commentators were making a big deal about that that Loris really blew it. That it was just a. a Poor technique on his part was the impression I was getting from them. But me watching it as an amateur goalie myself, that to me just looks like Saka just whammed it so hard that it not there wasn't necessarily much he could have done. I feel like he had to have his body where it was to be in the way of it because he didn't know how much it was or was not going to twist and get into the goal if it bent past him or something, you know? I feel like he had to try and do something, and I feel like it just, I don't know, maybe, maybe he wasn't planted well enough or something, but it just seemed like it was just strong enough that it just ricocheted <laughs> in an uncontrollable uh, way. What, what was your take on that? Uh, well, I, well, I'll start by saying that, I, th- and this comes from from me as, as someone who's a hockey fan, who's actually been, watched hockey a lot longer mm-hmm. than in soccer. You know, in hockey, it's a mm-hmm. common thing to come in at a bad angle. You f- you know, there's a there's a school of thought, a pretty common one, says you fire the puck at the net from a bad angle. You force the goalie to make a save, and in hockey, because everything's so tightly contained, you can create a rebound, force some problems, you know, create chaos. Soccer, you generally don't see that. Generally speaking, the goal is to fire it across the box and look for someone, look for a runner. So mm-hmm. you generally don't see that kind of play. And I'm always a, a proponent of that sort of thing. But you know, with at the risk of being risk of being too dismissive of your abilities, Hugo Lloris is a lot better <laughs> a keeper than you are, and that is a save for someone for some of his his skill level. And you know, again. For France, for you know, a team that has top four pretensions in the league, that's a he has to make that save. That is that is he cannot do that, and he looks yeah. he looks surprised, like almost like he didn't expect that. Which is a credit, it's, I think, in some cases to Saka. I, I I'm not I'm not particularly up on everyone's strong foot necessarily. But I believe some of the suggestion was that was actually Saka's weak foot. So perhaps it may have been he wasn't expecting a shot from. From there, okay. not just in terms of where he was in the field, but since the ball was on that other foot, um, but still, that's that's a save he has to make. It's 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 a bad one, especially again given the fact that Tottenham needs moments as opposed to Arsenal, who's going to be much more uh, apply much more consistent pressure against them. That's a that's a bad one for him. Yeah. All right. Point taken. Um... The the next shot that I wanted to talk about was Partey had a miss that blew my mind. I've never seen the ball bounce so hard off the post before. It made it almost all the way out of the penalty box, I think, after it rebounded off the, the post. Yes, so that was it. Just a couple powerful shots, yeah. That, was a, that 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 had some real power. You could you could hear it when it went off the, the mm-hmm. bar, which is which is pretty impressive given where where I was, you know, surrounded by people. There were audible gasps <laughs> as that, that there was a, a sound that not only the the ball on the bar made but also the bar the bar our bar the that we made watching that i mean goodness he i mean he hit that one up you know in in baseball right the sweet spot he hit that on the sweet spot he wow yeah Uh, you know and again yeah if only it had been like an inch to the left (laughs) yeah i mean and again it because frankly it would have been less impressed in some ways it would have been less impressive if he had scored because he just hits the net and no okay that's fine right it's cool but it doesn't make that kind of sound yeah yeah because we got the the you know hitting the post like that is is boy that was that way that was something yeah. <laughs> so something I noticed at this point in the game, it's Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was the name of where they were playing. It seems like very few Premier League stadiums are not sponsor named at this point, And it's refreshing. I, I prefer, obviously, when they do have a more traditional name like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or in the U.S. like Yankee Stadium or I guess Technically, I think of Wrigley Field as not being a sponsor name, although I, I suppose <laughs> it technically is after Wrigley chewing gum. Right. <laughs> it's just been around so long. I'm glad that they haven't changed it. But uh, like Fenway and other ones that have just been around forever, is are they one of the holdouts? And do you know how that came about historically? 
So, so it's interesting because, because in America, we've been giving away sponsorships on, on athletic stadiums for a long time. That's, you know, mm-hmm. we're this just a thing we do in America. Obviously, it makes place like Yankee Stadium a bit more of an exception. Uh, right. But, but you, you'll see a lot. And if you look through the Premier League, you'll still have Villa Park. I, I just pulled up the list here on, you know, from the, a list of stadiums here, Villa Park. Uh, Stamford Bridge, Selhurst Park, Goodison Park, Craven Cottage, Ellen Road, Anfield, Old Trafford, St. James's okay. Park. There's actually quite a lot that hold on to that. Actually, my favorite one's uh, West Ham's is, is the London Stadium, which was actually the stadium huh. they built for the Olympics back in 2012. Oh, interesting. And then they repurposed it for for soccer for West and West Ham moved out of their old place. There are, there are increasingly more. Um, I, I, I sent you a link to an article that the athletic did uh, ended up actually being February of last year, which was longer ago than I thought, but talking about sort of that move towards naming rights of stadiums. They talk a little bit about arsenals. The, the previous ground was officially was named Arsenal stadium, but was traditionally known as Highbury named after the neighborhood where it was. And that's a lot of these old names are, the neighborhoods or the streets where these these uh places are i mean again just just think about some of those names right uh you know sure. um yeah stamford bridge is a neighborhood selhurst goodison uh anfield is the neighborhood in liverpool Old trafford manchester ellen road mm-hmm. in leeds so they're, they're you know that's where a lot of that comes from and uh but there does seem to be a move and they talked about when arsenal was building the emirates uh, back in they they closed Highbury in 2006, uh, but when they were finishing it, one of the things that the neighborhood where it's located is called Ashburton Grove, and because they were planning to sell the naming rights, they were very careful about never referring to the stadium as Ashburton Grove on the off chance that that name stuck with fans and what have you. So then, when finally when Emirates the airline came through with with the big deal for the naming rights, it was the Emirates Stadium, and it has it has. To this point, always been the Emirates Stadium. So, mm-hmm. so that's it. so it's an interesting kind of it, it, it's one of those interesting little differences between, um, but you know, between the, the European game and uh, the America and, and American sports. Yeah. All right. Well, time for goal number two. This time, Odegaard made another amazing <laughs> shot. He's having a really good run since coming back from the World Cup. I think there may be something to what you were saying that he just came back like <laughs> I don't know, pissed that that he didn't make it <laughs> further in that competition or something. I don't know, but it's been really something. Uh, he, he's doing great. I mean, he he is he's clearly the captain of this team. He is the the mo- the 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 best player on there. I thought, you know, I I know people were were, uh, you know, giving giving cheers for Ramsdale for man of the match. He was excellent. But I I to me, Martin Odegaard has been fantastic. Uh, yes, yeah, since the World Cup, he's been, he was great before the World Cup too. Well, uh, yeah, he, of course, in, in a lot of ways, he makes this team go. And you know, it's the goal. I mean, it, you know, he, it wasn't a great shot. He kind of rolled it in. But again, I, that was one I really thought, uh, frankly, Lloris needs to do better with that. That's um, mm. and, and Tottenham as a whole needs to do better with that. They were they looked, <laughs> you know, they looked slow and I don't want to say disinterested. That's not the word, but they looked almost like they they were just kind of almost standing and ball watching a little bit. They looked just sort of out of sorts. Odegaard has some space, gets off a deep, you know, gets off a. An okay shot. It's not very hard. It was it was almost a little bit of surprise that that rolled in, but it was, you know, Lloris was a little slow to react, and it was just just out of his out of his reach, and it's two nil. Right. Yeah. Well, what else did you want to talk about with this match? Because the last thing that I wanted to talk about actually occurred after the final whistle. Was there anything before the final whistle you wanted to talk about? Um, I, I certainly think, you know, there was some t- comment about this. I, you know, Tottenham was def- Tottenham was very poor in the first half, which, you know, I'm not saying anything that no one else has said. They were better right. in the second half, but at the same time, we sort of talked about this. They really, they're not built to maintain pressure in the way Arsenal is. And I thought Arsenal did a pretty solid job overall settling the game seeing it out hey ramsdale had to make a couple of good saves but you know he handled them with a plum and mm-hmm. you know just that and you know we'll we'll talk about the bigger picture it, this is we talked about this last time arsenal 
does not have a good record at Tottenham, either at uh, the new stadium or at uh, the old one, White Hart Lane. But uh, this was Arsenal's first win at Tottenham uh, in, in any competition at Tottenham since 2014. Wow. So, they, you know, for a couple of reasons, this game was big. That was another one. It's one thing to, to hammer them at, at the Emirates because we've done that before. But it was a quite another and a fun another to to do it in their place, uh, you know, which, again, we haven't done in a while. And just a sign that this is a this is a different arsenal. You I it is it's it's weird having this experience talking to you about this because I've I, you know, having watched this team for about 15 or so years, I've seen things. And right. what we're seeing now, what we're seeing now is very different than the arsenal I have seen over the last, you know, decade plus and it, it's a lot of fun for me obviously i'm sure i'm sure it's a lot of fun for you as well but it's it you know it, it's hard to really put into words how satisfying that result really is sure no, I, I fully appreciate that there are levels to it that apply to you and not me i i'm sort of definitely taking arsenal success for granted at this point it's all i've ever really known from them so <laughs> enjoy well yeah. i'd say i'd say enjoy it but I, you're, you're, you're your family are cubs fans right <laughs> so yeah. you so you understand yeah. long waits for, <laughs> for success <laughs> even if, so yeah right <laughs> good point fair point well so the last thing that i wanted to talk about is we're we're gloating after the match is over just talking about how how great it was but leaving the the TV on and all of a sudden a Tottenham fan jumps over the barricade and it looked like what he he kicked Ramsdale he or something kicked, kicked, and took a kick out at Ramsdale yeah yeah, and then he like retreated back and was like making it up the stands as fast as he could to try and evade yes. capture. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> but, so then Arteta and everyone else are trying to get the Arsenal players all back to their friendly side of the stadium. <laughs> that was a bunch of chaos. It led me to a, a question. Can red cards be issued after the final whistle? Uh, so the short answer is yes. Uh, technically, as long as the referee is on the field, he has the authority over what's happening. And so if player – now, red cards are typically only ever issued to players uh, and, and people associated with the game itself. We've talked about how you can give them to fans, but I, you, will, you will not see that in a major league. Typically, that's what, that's what stadium mm. security is for. By the way, that fan will, be, will almost certainly be identified and is – I, with I, I I don't remember if that's what officially was in their statement Tottenham statement, but will almost certainly be facing a lifetime ban from the stadium. He will not be allowed to watch to attend games. Uh, certainly at Tottenham, probably anywhere else in in England for that matter. Um, yeah, so that will be so. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know that that sort of thing just cannot just cannot happen. Right. Um, you're right. He's sprinting away. He kicks him and sprints away. Of course, immediately because he he knows if he's caught, he'll be <laughs> he'll be arrested. He will still be tracked down. There are there. I mean, and it, it's interesting. I was talking to someone a, a while ago who was connected to like stadium operations, and you, you'll hear this like in in American sports. Um, you know that you'll people will have stadium bans for things that they say or do in a, in a park. Most of those are. Most of those are unenforceable. You know, what are they going to do? Okay. Stick, a pic- stick a picture in the ticket booth? Don't sell to this guy? I mean, like you think about like, say, because my experience would be with the Yankees. Like, there's 40,000 people go to Yankee games and there's 80 of them mm. every year, 80, 81 home games every year. They don't know who those, especially when you think about how many people buy tickets online. <laughs> it's basically sort of a, a punishment to scare people away for a couple of weeks and they, they'll come back, hopefully, presumably chastened. Uh, the experience yeah uh, england is very different um you know britain has a pretty strong culture of of government surveillance there are cameras everywhere right, right. not even just counting the television but even within you know society at large it will right cctvs prob- all over the streets yeah, yeah exactly he will almost he will probably be identified uh based on just stadium cameras and the television feed and will be identified and if they ban him they'll ban him uh he will he will presumably not be attending games in the future and they and that is enforceable they can do that so mm. um and a lot of that stems from the 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 late 80s and the early 90s uh, you know england had a a pretty serious hooliganism problem and that's part of how they that's part of how they dealt with it is they they started taking those those bans 
the you know actually actually enforcing those bans and it's you know it's England is a small geographic country it, you know it's, it's got a lot of people but also you know it, it's not like the United States it's much smaller mm-hmm. so I was going to say before what what when you were talking about the enforcement, it reminded me of there's this show. I think it only ever went for one season. It was called Roadies, and it was by Cameron Crowe, who did Almost Famous, which is most closely related to this show as far as his oeuvre. But um, Roadies, it's about this this band and the roadies that that travel with them and get them set up on all of our tours and stuff. And I think it was just one particular episode where there was a stalker that lived in the city that this show was happening at. And so they knew who he was and the photo was circulated to all of the crew and the security and everyone knew who he was and to look out for him that he would try to get in. I think it was a he. I would try to get in and, and do something crazy and they were just on the lookout for him the whole time. So right. <laughs> and it, under it, extreme yeah. circumstances you would know, but yes. And, and there are, obviously there are certain circumstances where things like that, you know, there's, there's legal ramifications. Uh, but yeah, in a lot of cases, it's kind of a, it, a lot of cases is just meant to be sort of a thing that scares people away for a while because it's just, just because it is so difficult to enforce. Sure. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. Well, yeah. So that was a fun, fun derby to watch. That was, uh, yeah, we, we both won both of them this season and uh, we're still what I think at the end of the match, we were eight points clear again, but Man City hadn't played a match for the week yet or something. Was that right? No, no. City had played on, on Saturday. They lost to United and uh, went to they they lost to United and so the win was a chance for us to go eight points clear which we did and that's I believe our biggest I believe I imagine that would be our biggest lead of the season coming uh, almost yeah I think it's tying through. a previous lead we had yeah yeah so we're up to we're up to eight points clear of City and I think nine of Newcastle and United which is uh, it, it that's pretty crazy yeah all right well yeah it's uh it's it's exciting. Yeah, I, I wonder... we should we should we should add actually in terms of the the post match. So we talk about red cards. Obviously, for the fan, that's going to be a security issue. I, before that happens, it, it and it was you know NBC was sort of late flipping over, you know, because it's not really what they're originally focusing on. It, it definitely looks to me like Rich Arlison sort of takes a slap at, at Ramsdale. There was a little. There was definitely a little oh, really? more than should have. Then yeah, I mean. Typically, what you'll see in that instance, you know, we're, I, I, I'm going a bit off memory. I let's. I don't want to, you know, th- we'll speak of this in terms of hypotheticals. If that is in fact what happened, um, typically in that instance, you wouldn't see a red card because it wouldn't be applicable to the game necessarily. The FA would look at that after the fact and then apply a, a fine or potentially even a suspension, depending on how they okay. determine how they felt about what happened. So. I mean, yes, obviously so the fans separate stuff. from the red card mechanism, right? Yeah, okay. you know the 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 um, the fan thing is 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 a set, you know is a a stadium issue. That one is is a little different because it involves the players directly. So, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see Richarlison do anything uh, after the match. That's wow. <laughs> if true, <laughs> it, it has yeah. not been substantiated, but if true, yeah, I, I am going a bit off memory, crazy. but I, but I, there, there yeah. was definitely a confrontation between the two of them. They certainly had words. Yeah. Uh, and, and Richarlison made, you know, basically said afterwards what he was doing. He talked about what he said to Ramsdale and why he went over to him, something about he shouldn't be arguing with the fans, shouting at the fans or something, but you know, Okay. Yeah. But yeah, this was this was satisfying on a number of levels. Uh, you know, to go clear of of city. I mean, you know, we're we're pretty much halfway through the season at this point, and and we've sort of been resisting this. But I mean, I, I believe they said in the aftermath, this is the from the places like the betting services and a handful of uh, the websites that do things like probability uh for the first time we are in fact the favorites for the title nice eight eight points is a eight points is a massive lead you know at the halfway point i mean if there is a club that could go on the pace necessary to keep up with us assuming we do uh, if we keep up this pace for the rest of the season i saw it i believe we said we'd have 99 points which would be i think the (laughs) second highest in the history of the league which would be insane 
but also like if there is a team that could do that it is presumably Manchester City although as we say that they have been they haven't impressed i mean you know early holland is awesome but i was talking to some people you know he, he doesn't quite fit the way they play in the way that mm-hmm. you know even gabriel jesus did and some of the players they've had they had before he came in and it, you know it's uh, it the margins are thin pep guardiola made some comments about he was essentially conceding the the premier league um do not buy that for a second. That's it. That, that is <laughs> that is mind game nonsense. That is not going to happen. The city is not finished with us yet, and it makes yeah. the and it makes the game we have in two weeks the uh, the uh, not this Friday but the next Friday when we see them in the FA Cup uh, makes that a, a very interesting and a very interesting appetizer for, of course, the two league games we still have left with them. So right. Uh, but it's it, again to, to win on the road the way we did a place we traditionally struggled. Yes, we still have to go to Liverpool. Yes, we still have to play City twice. Uh, we still have to go to Newcastle. So we still have a lot of difficult games remaining. But this is this is a big one. This is a really big one in the statement of intent from us. And so I'm, it's exciting and a little nervy, nervy, but also exciting. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So one question that i've had on my list to try and bite off this week is i notice the referees and i think this is the case in the world cup too but definitely in the premier league they always look bulky like there's a lot of stuff going on underneath their uniforms is it as simple as it's just their communications equipment and because of i don't know redundancy and the size of battery packs or whatever it results in a lot of large rectangular solids underneath their jersey or is there more going on that they have under their jerseys too um i suspect that's a uh, that my my suspicion is that that's a lot of it uh it could also be they are uh, you know i don't know what they do as far as cold weather gear i mean you know obviously it's winter Mm. there winter in england so it's it's a little chilly you can see the fans of course are wearing jackets and whatnot uh, I, again, it's funny for me because, uh, you know, I, I, I live in Houston where it was 70 today. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't worn it. It's been a long time since I wore a jacket. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect that's, that's part of it. And, the, and, you know, it's a physical thing for them running around. So they may also have some, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, support for, for muscles and, and whatnot with, with players. There's, I mean, the officials wear that stuff too. So. But I, I suspect right. a lot of it deals with that the communication and the batteries and all of that. Yeah. Okay. That was an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, what's coming up for next week? Uh, next week, one game. It's a fun one. Uh, Sunday, the 22nd, we're going to play Manchester United, the one team that's beaten us this year in the league, and mm-hmm. we get them at home. Uh, if this game was and, – and, you know, United just beat City. They've actually been on a really good run as of late. Uh, they certainly look dangerous. And if this game was old at, at Old Trafford, I'd be nervous. I feel pretty confident given it's at home and we have played excellently at home. We've played excellently on the road as well. Uh, I feel pretty <laughs> good about our chances here, but again – you know, teams that it would be satisfying to beat. I, it's always satisfying to beat United, and you know, more importantly, they are nine points behind us. Uh, so to go even further, you know, to put them sort of further in the rearview mirror uh, would obviously mm-hmm. be very big in terms of uh, now we're talking about the title. So that would be a huge yeah. uh, result. So hopefully, we are uh, physically and mentally ready. We have a week. It's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of build up. Um, City will play, I believe, will play twice actually before we see before the the United game, or at least they they play Spurs midweek, I believe. Uh, Tottenham actually gets to play two of their next three games against Manchester City, so that's going to be a rough one for them. Um, but yeah, we we may we may have a little more if they drop points anywhere along the way. City does obviously that's a big opportunity for us to. Uh, potentially extend the lead further. Okay, yeah, City plays Spurs yeah. at home on Thursday, and then they will play Wolves at home right before we play United. So, uh, you know, they they could very well be uh, two points behind us by the time we kick off if they pick up a pair of wins. Uh, alternately, ah. you know, if they drop any points, that's that's big for us and, uh, you know, real opportunity against 
against United. But we'll see. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. They play Thursday. We'll see where that goes. And then, of course, United. We focus on our game, and I think we'll be – I feel good about where we are. Yeah, well, one thing that that reminded me of is so this Manchester United match is going to be on NBC and Peacock. And I just wanted to point out to any listeners who are following along with my time shifted viewing and, and what how those rules work. From what I can tell so far, when it's a USA match that is also streamed on Peacock, that replay stream is only available 24 hours later. It's when matches are on NBC, there's been at least one of these so far this uh, since World Cup that I've noticed. When it's on NBC, you can stream it live and the replay is available right after the fact. So with that one coming up, that is an NBC match. So I'll be able to watch it live or at least watch it same day um, as will you, dear listener. So uh, We had talked a little bit early in the year about uh, yellow card suspensions, accumulation of yellow cards. Ah, yes. So I, I actually did find the rule. Uh, if you any player who has shown five yellow cards in the first 19 league games of the season, so the first half of the year, will serve a one-match ban. Uh, this is our 19th okay. game, and we have four players, or three players, excuse me, on, well, we actually have four of them on uh, sitting on four yellow cards. So if they pick up a yellow against United, they would be suspended for our next league game, which would be Everton on the first weekend in February. Uh, but the players are the players we have to worry about are Gabriel Bukayosaka and William Saliba. Uh, Gabriel Jesus also has four yellows, but he will not be playing in this game, obviously. Right. Uh, so he, right. I, we don't have to worry about that. But uh, so something to just keep an eye on a bit. Uh, again, Gabriel Bukayosaka, William Saliba. Any yellow if they pick up a yellow against United, they will be out for the Everton game on in uh, in two weeks afterwards. So then after that match, though, it resets completely, starting with the 20th match? So, so after that, what happens, once it's the 20th, um, for the cautions are not clear, but what happens is 10 yellows up to and including the 32nd game of the season uh, then get a two-game suspension. So they'd still have four. And you know, assume assume they don't get any. Let's just you know, let's assume they don't get one. They don't pick up one against United, and everything's wiped. And everything's clear. Uh, if they pick up another six over the next handful of games, which would be a lot, but if they pick up the next six over right. the thirty up to and including the thirty second game, they would be suspended for two games, as I believe how that okay. Works. So just it, it's not something we need. Really, just this one game is the one we need to worry about. If we get through this one in the clear, it's going to be a while before we need to be too concerned. Uh, so all right well good note thanks for joining us at gooner you we're on apple podcasts and spotify and some other places and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends if you want to listen the night we record you can become a gooner you super fan on apple Podcasts to download a raw unedited recording right away Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. Spelling is in the show notes. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Goodbye, Keith. Go, you gunners.